You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a Survivor Game Changers recap, the seventh episode of Survivor Game Changers across the six weeks that we've had it airing. And uh, let's just say it is a bit of a big one. This is uh, definitely an episode where there's going to be a lot of heated discussion and a lot of things to talk about because uh, it's not too often Survivor makes the news and... Survivor has made the news quite a bit in the last few days, and we've got a few people on the line right now to help discuss this. Uh, first of all, I would like to welcome... I, I haven't done a Survivor recap episode with him before uh, in terms of on the Oz Network, and it's exciting to have his voice on the line with me. It's everybody's favourite Canadian, Colin Hilding. Colin, uh, welcome back to the Oz Network. Oh, I thought with a big build-up it would have been for John, not me, but thank you. <laughs> you told, you told nice me to give you a big one, so I gave you a big one. So, um, you know, I, I listen to when you speak to me, and I decided <laughs> that I would do that. But, if, look, if you think that was big, then, hey, this is going to be even bigger. Uh, joining us on the even line... better than Colin is. <laughs> joining us on the line, someone even better than Canadians. Uh, he competed <laughs> on the fourth season of Survivor Marquesas, was a very good friend of ours on... Survivor Oz, and makes the best Thanksgiving turkey you will ever eat. It's Mr. John Carroll. John, welcome to the Oz Network. Hello, hello. It's a pleasure. Welcome. It's uh, It's been too long in terms of getting your voice on a on an episode involved with me, I think. Um, you know, besides shoving a camera in your face and all that sort of stuff over Thanksgiving, it's been well over a year, I think, since I've heard your voice on one of our episodes. Yeah, I thought that... Um you were retiring, and, and now that you've had this new reincarnation, I am glad to be back to support my friend from Down Under. <laughs> and I, I just want to keep you hearing, the, doing those uh, Australian accents, and maybe throw a bit of Canadian accents in there too for, for Colin. I, I don't know how a Nebraska person doing a Canadian accent sounds, but um, we can maybe try that by the end of the episode. Hey. <laughs> we just have one word here. Yeah. I just say one That's word. It. It's, a, it's a verb, it's a noun, it's an adjective, it's an adverb, it's a dangling participle. Yep. yep. It's a whole nation. Yeah. <laughs> sums up the entire country uh but look we've got a bit to talk about with this episode i mean you you really are one of the most perfect people i feel to almost talk about this john because uh there's lots of uh i guess comparisons in many ways to some things that happened this episode to what happened on your time on survivor but we'll get to that just uh, we generally always start off though by i guess getting your your feels on this season uh look you know as i said we're basically pretty much at the halfway point now i guess you would say of survivor game changes and just a general vibe I mean, are you enjoying this season? Are you not enjoying it? What's your take so far on this season? Uh, I'm loving the season. You know, it's um, it's it's you know, a lot different than second chances, um, it, and definitely um, Queen Sandra. You know, once again, you know, left her indelible mark. You know, on a season, and um, you know, and, and other than her ouster. You know, last week, and really, I think that's because of you know a swap. You know, one of the things that they throw. Um, you know, it's it was it just has its own unique um, vibe, and you know, I've really liked it. I mean, uh, you know, Brad Culpepper has been a completely different player, and and I think that that's what's awesome about letting people come back. Um, you know, you get to see different uh, versions sometimes. You know, Sandra's like, hey, if it ain't broke. You know, don't fix it. I'm just going to be the queen stays queen and keep, you know, 
run in the same you know plan and if it works great but yeah no i i've loved it i i i think it's uh it's been a lot of fun and you know debbie's debbie and you know and of course you know she's always going to be great television and you know after 10 years of gymnastics and being on the olympic team i mean come on you know uh, was she a lawyer with you once in nebraska john i believe um, she's done everything so <laughs> Yes, I think she got bronze in the uh, Los Angeles Olympics. Right. Um, yeah, on the uneven bars. Wow. Because somebody who's extremely uneven would do very good on that apparatus. <laughs> well, there you go, Colin. We need to get her on off the podium. Love you, Debbie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lots of shows. We need to talk to her about this Olympic <laughs> career. I mean, just I mean, just quickly on on sort of the theme though, it's kind of been something that I've enjoyed talking about with people recapping this season. It's you know. It's the cast is interesting, but I mean, have you felt the name Game Changers uh, is appropriate to a lot of a lot of this cast? Uh, you know, again, I don't want to take this opportunity every week to rip shit into some of these people, but um, I mean, it's, it's a lot of people have questioned, I guess, some of these people coming back under a subtitle of Game Changers. Yeah, you know, I, I think when it first came out, a lot of us, you know, looked at the total cast and kind of scratched our heads. And then I think later, um, what kind of what it morphed into was that these people had the ability to change the game. Doesn't necessarily mean they did during their season, but um, you know there was a player either that had not emerged during their their season or was not edited in a way that we got to see them as a player. So um, seeing you know the the uh, the uh, Haley's. And the Sierras, you know, initially people would say, well, gee whiz, you know, what, you know, what game did they change? But if you actually, you know, watch them play, you know, they're players. I mean, it's just not everybody can make it, you know, uh, you know uh, in the final edit and every single thing that they're doing. You know, for example, one of the things I absolutely uh, loved was the episode where uh, Sierra and Ta, it's when... Um, JT got sent home before that tribal council. There were two or three moments when the tribe was together and she asserted her will and um, she threw, or I'm sorry, it was Malcolm. I'm sorry. When Malcolm was sent home and, you know, she was floating Malcolm's name out. And then after Ty found the idol, Ty was, a, was struggling. It seemed like to talk about the fact that he had the idol, but her spidey sense, um, recognized that he was about to say something and somebody else was going to talk over him and she shut him, whoever that was down. And then that's when Ty came out that he had the idol. And, and so in just those few little moments that we saw with the editing, I was like, that was really, those were really great moves. That was really astute in being, you know, intuitive and, and being aware, um, you know, overall, now granted, we know the edit, you know, is the edit, but you, they can't edit unless you do it. You know what I mean? Um, so, so the people that are playing, um, I don't have a problem with anybody that's on that island because all of us, um, were selected, you know, for our season for a reason, not every, um, game plan emerges the same way. And I think that people that have, you know, that have made the choice to make room in their life to go back and play again, you know, aren't going out there just to sit on a log to get a suntan and, you know, and eat coconut and shit their pants. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I'm also finding this season to be different from the past all-star seasons, like with second chances. 
all-stars and even heroes versus villains where it seems like when you have the big players that go out early that their legacies end up being tarnished you know whether you should be looking at an all-star season differently or not are you finding that this season is different that uh, the players are coming out of it you know maybe like Sandra or, or Tony where their legacies are a little bit tarnished now or do you think that uh that it's kind of a different season at this point seeing that they have changed the game so much in the years since well i think you know if you're going to go out and unless you are absolutely want to cement your legacy you know going out on top and not risking going backwards you know the odds are going to be against you no matter what and, you know, the fact that any of them won that were the winners on this season were there, you know, it was a combination of a lot of factors and luck and opportunity, you know, being two huge ones, you know, and the fact that Sander was able to, you know, reproduce that twice, you know, it's just really mind boggling when you think about all the players um, that have, you know, landed on the beach trying to be the sole survivor. But, um, you know, you can control your own destiny by the game that you're playing. So sure, you know, if you look at Tony, you look at what Tony did in Tony's season, for whatever reason, the way that it laid out in the chest, the human chessboard, the way the, the, the moves and everything, you know, it just fit his game. And, and, you know, maybe it was that he was such a powerful, you know, force of nature and, and, you know, all the little gimmicks and things that he was doing just, you know, worked perfectly and, and and everything lined up the the moon the stars and the planets in, in boom but then you know he didn't really change that up and then he really ratcheted it up and you know he, as far as i'm concerned he you know made one of the fatal flaws that that people that get booted early is they just overplay something whether it's strategy personality um or extremely underplay you know where they're not you know they get sick or they're you know they're not participating socially you know whatever so if you have these extremes um you know it just puts you in a really vulnerable spot and you know he came out like gangbusters and he already had a target you know on his back and then he got crosswise with sandra and you know and then now it was the two behemoths of of survivor who have you know have you know completely cemented their legacy you know regardless of the outcome of of game changers, the fact is, is that, you know, Tony's might have a little bit of an asterisk just simply because he went out so early and he was one dimensional and the shtick that he mm. was, you know, that, that he got away with the first time, he didn't really have an adjustment for that. And, and so I, I, you know, I do say, well, you know what, that does give you an asterisk because, um, you know, you have to be adaptable. And, and if you're not, you know, if he plays again and he plays again, the question is, is, does he have the 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 wit and the sophistication that Sandra does to pull off a second win, or you know, is he always going to be destined for the you know pre-jury uh, survivor uh, heap? So you, you kind of think just by Sandra doing something differently this time that her leaving early doesn't necessarily hurt her as much as somebody who played the same game like Tony. Yeah, I mean, I look at what Sandra did this third time, and you know, there is a lot of stuff that's reminiscent of the first couple of times, but she was way out in front compared to how she played the first time. And then, you know, even the second time, you know, the, her, the first two times that she played, you know, she just bided her time and used her sense of humor and her charisma to kind of just always be right there, you know, always be right in the mix uh, of people. But this time she actually, 
you know, stepped out of that kind of um, uh, nuanced play and was just like, bam, you know, she was out there. And, and of course, it could have went, you know, either direction had Tony prevailed, you know, against her. But, you know, the further she got into that game, if they had not swapped and, and done that gimmick, um, I don't think she was going home. I think that, you know, her ability to kind of just find her way into the middle and everybody thinking there's other bigger, badder targets and they can take care of her, le- you know, later is, is her brilliance in the game because all of a sudden later is like, oh, shit, there's four of us left and I'm screwed. Mm. Mm. I, I, I mean, that's something that I, I agree with definitely. And, and I think I, I sort of made that argument the other week that... Um, somehow sandra improved her legacy i i don't know how that is even possible (laughs) you know it's and it's and it's crazy because i i was always one a person who didn't necessarily buy into the she's won twice that automatically makes her the greatest player argument like i would generally take a step aside and be like look analyze both her games individually you don't necessarily put her up there i mean look there's nothing taking away from the fact she's won it twice by no means does that not make her one of the top greatest players of all time i just i look at it a little bit differently but if we were to say do our rankings episode again or kind of had that argument again i mean i'm putting sandra up higher than i used to purely because somehow she she came into this game and didn't win it but somehow i feel improved her legacy oh i totally agree i totally agree and i think what it was is she went out there and and i think you know i think she knew you know she was going to have this target on her back and you know and i don't know if she's you know got another game in her or not i can't imagine that if they asked her she would not go if she could make that room you know in her life but she was she reminded me a lot of what varner did in um in second chances just gave great you know confessionals except for for her she had the ability to bring people into her world and you know here she is a middle-aged woman who you know is <laughs> you know is not an athlete by any you know, you know stretcher definition of the word um but you know that was never going to be the thing that sank her ship and you know and i think you, you can't remove that you know kind of it factor you know that she had and and she was very very smart to be as aggressive as she was because if she played more subtle and then she got washed out early um you know it would have been a whimper but it was a swap that and and i think that that's the other reason why uh people are not going to um you know give her an asterisk you know because she she had another destiny her third time out and this is where i think that production and and trying to you know shake things up and and you know don't make things predictable and we don't want the you know the dreaded pedonging and those types of things you know they might have gone one swap too far because if they had just left it alone it wouldn't have been awesome to see what next move she had in her to see if whether or not, um, you know, she could, even though she had won twice to take control of the game, because I think that there was a seduction for the other players to say, look, if, if we get close, um, you know, we're going to just drag her along because 
you know, people are going to say, hey, um, you know, they're going to maybe think twice about giving her that that million the third time. Um, but the way that she was playing the game, she was owning her game from the first day because she knew she had that target. And she did not um, you know, uh, mince words. Uh, she didn't suffer fools. I mean, she she was like out there. And, uh-huh. and knowing she had that target. And the fact is, is the queen went up against Tony and and she won. I mean, and easily won. At least that's, you know, at least what it seemed like to us. So, yeah. You know, I, I, I tweeted out something or Facebook or whatever, and I'm just like, you know what? If Sanders willing to come back every damn season, uh, <laughs> Survivor should just have it. When we were a kid, you know, we would play all-time quarterback you know, the quarterback, you know, instead of switching, you know, having a quarterback for each team when you play like, you know, you know, backyard football or flag football. And, you know, somebody who was really good and could throw the ball and, you know, just made it fun for both sides was all time quarterback. And, you know, I was watching Sandra and I'm like, Sandra is an all time quarterback. She just if she wants to play, let her freaking play. And she would. And, she would, though, you know, John. If, you know, she would. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't care if she goes out first, you know, or last. You know what? She has cemented her legacy. She has made a fortune. Um, she has, you know, inspired so many different people, and and she's just a fantastic person yeah. and an awesome woman because she is. What you see on television is who she is in real life. There is no gimmicks to that. She's just used all of her skill set just to become. If not, I, I don't say. I don't know how you say that she's not the best survivor player ever i i just don't see how you can say that with two wins and other than a swap screwing up her game was two moves for making it to the merge and then the men and the alphas and the aussies and the cole peppers you know all of them were going to be in real trouble because she had the ability to bring all those women together and and i'm sure she probably had a whole strategy of hey girls i've already won twice let's get another woman in here meanwhile she's just lying in wait lying in wait <laughs> just waiting just you know to take the girls out too it's yeah it's um it's it's definitely a, a conversation I'd, I'd love to sort of bring back uh you know maybe in the future again i mean i know kind of on the oz network we're not entirely survivor like we were on survivor oz but um you know, it's a, it's always a fun debate to kind of have that sort of talking about it. And, um, you know, when we have seasons like this, it sort of it adds it to it, you know, kind of as you were saying, um, like someone like Tony and all that, does it ruin their legacy? And you look at JT and just even everything along those lines. And it, and it would just, yeah, be a fun conversation to have, Colin. Maybe when we're bored, we can sit down for 34 hours and do it again. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know if we'll be that bored. <laughs> Well, JT's story is a little bit different. Yeah. He doesn't have the same epic. Absolutely, as, absolutely, as absolutely. But it's, it's it's always sort of interesting. One person, I mean, look, we're, we're obviously getting to a certain thing that happened this episode shortly, but one person I wanted to just talk about quickly because we're sort of talking, I guess, about legacies and sort of, you know, things that are happening. One person that I feel is maybe outside of Sandra, 
because I think Sandra definitely surprised a lot of people with how she played the game and everything. The other person I feel that has really surprised the hell out of people, which is somebody that's not necessarily getting talked about a lot recently because other things have been happening in the last couple of weeks, is Brad Culpepper. Now, Brad basically came into this season, nobody was excited to see him except for me and Monica. Um, hello, Monica, if you're listening, we do, we do love you. Um, but and it just he seems to be the one that everybody, when they are talking about the game and not other things, are like, wow, he's really different. He's not how he was in Blood vs. Water. He's he's playing this game, I feel, very intelligently, and he's not come out and been douchey. He's learned how to count since the last time he played. Um, I mean, he's doing well. I mean, have you been surprised, I guess, John, at how Brad has been playing this game? Um, I'm going to say yes and no, and here's the reason why. Um, yes, because of the edit that, that we saw um, the first time he played. And, um, and I, I think that there was, again, if we, as we head towards what we're going to talk about in a little bit, it's those intangibles that you, that you can't plan for. And, you know, you have, um, you know, Monica, his, so, you know, here's a guy who, who played in the NFL, then put himself through law school and then built, you know, a law practice and, um, you know, and, has had you know to do a lot of things to keep move it literally the ball moving you know down the field and so you know you, you saw Debbie kind of tap into that but you know what what I think Debbie was tapping into was her own stuff and and then of course the the way that you know Brad you know is uh, playing the game and and I think the difference is is playing with his wife and first time. And just the cameras and, you know, you just get so amped up. And, I, you know, I'm the first one to tell you is, you know, there's just this rush that of this adrenaline that just doesn't stop, you know, the entire time you're out there. And as every person, you know, leaves, it's just like when we were going through the interview process. You know, you go in, you know, you start off and there's all these people, you know, we're not talking to each other. We're, you know, we're, we're working our way through and slowly but surely people just disappear and and they're being cut and you know, essentially being voted out you know of the audition process and so this process that you go through just builds and builds and builds and then you get on the island and then the cameras and jeff is there and you know and it's real and all of that and and it's very intoxicating just the whole experience and so he went through that and all of the probably worst qualities of of brad came out and i can guarantee you there was probably an equal amount of good ones but the bad ones were so uh great for television and i tell everybody they're going to edit you backwards the further you go into the game the better your edit potentially is going to be but if you go out early there's going to be a big bang to explain, you know, why that happened, and if you give them the ammunition for your fall or the choices that you that you make, that is going to be edited to maximum effect. Thing is, that they can't edit it unless it happened or you said it. So, so that's what I saw, you know, the first time was that kind of collective thing going on. So then he goes through that experience, and then the humiliation of you know of what happened, and he was not liked, and I'm sure that was probably a really um, shocking thing to him um, because it, it, it's it's not that there's I think the people that make the the show 
have to be likable. Otherwise, they can't get you know through the audition process. Even those those Johnny Fair plays are still likable and you know in their own way. So now he comes back out, and and then what you see is um, what I see is um, the trial attorney. What I see is the counselor. What I see is somebody who's patient, who sees the uh, the game is slowed down for him. You know, he'll know that from football. Young players, the game is very fast, and it takes a while for the game to slow down. I think he went between watching the seasons, his wife, and then him playing. Um, he was ready and poised to be more magna- uh, magnanimous. Can't say the word, sorry. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> Yeah, uh, mag, nominous. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying I'm not um, even trying that one. <laughs> I can't say cinnamon, either. So it, yeah, that's one of those like, words that are like connected. Um, but anyway, so so what you're seeing is is you know a mature player and somebody who has seen a thing or two in his life and is representing people who have suffered really you know, terrible things in their life and, and their financial future um, and justice for what happened to that, you know, is in his hands. And so that's what I see now is I see somebody who is really comfortable in their own skin and is not going to give away their game the way he did the first time. Yeah, and I think that that scene we saw this week with Brad breaking down and everybody else breaking down Aubrey around him, it definitely kind of would lean towards what you're saying about, okay, well, if you're going farther, your edit's going to get better. It almost would make me think, well, maybe he's going further. But at the same time, I feel like that scene, it wasn't just about Brad and Aubrey and, you know, telling you how tough Survivor is uh, as we're getting closer to Tribal Council. I almost saw some parallels in that scene to the story they were trying to tell later on. You know, Brad makes a comment in there about how, you know, when you do this, you get pushed to a point where your mind starts going places it wouldn't normally go. You start doing things you wouldn't normally do. And it almost felt like by the end of the episode, that's what the editors were driving in there about Varner. You know, not saying excuse or whatever, but mm-hmm. that, you know, it's it's a difficult situation you're in and you can't really understand it unless you're there. And I'm sure that every single season, I'm sure that there were moments even on day three where at Rotu, you guys are talking about the exact same thing, and this just happens to be one of the first times we saw it on Survivor. So I don't know, do you feel like that this scene was maybe included as a way to sell the overall story? Um, I, I don't think that there is, for the most part, 99.9% of the time, that there is not a scene that the editors um, are putting together that is one not propelling a story forward. And, and I, you know, I think that um, just like in any uh, editing, whether you're, you're writing a book or an article, unless whatever you're writing, saying, doing is moving the story forward in one way or another um, doesn't belong, you know, in the story. And so, and you can propel a story arc that's built for the episode and you can build a story arc that's built for a, uh, a range of episodes. You can uh, build a story that occupies both the episode and the character themselves of where they're at. So the fact that um, 
you know, this particular scene, I think it's absolutely on multiple levels where that scene is and where and why it was placed when it did. I totally agree with you that um, it was a way to provide foreshadowing as to a choice that a player was going to make. And just like you said, Colin, is it was not to excuse it. It was to give context. And, mm-hmm. and I do believe um, for people that have the ability to take a step backwards um, and step back and, and kind of see the multiple layers um, and, and, and don't go with that kind of reptilian you know, response that really just need your kind of reaction is there's no doubt about it that where we're about to go at the end of the episode and, and when we cross that line, it's just a line that can't be crossed. Um, but I think in to uh, for the show, because of the authenticity and the truth of what we go through when we're out there, um, and when you come back and play and you don't um, win, or you come back and play and you don't make the jury, and then you come back to play and you're one step away from the jury and you've never made the jury in three times and you're the only player who's returned that many times to not make the jury i think that those were pieces to give context but it was never designed to excuse um yeah and so so yeah so i so colin the 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 long answer is totally agree with you and then if you actually take a step back you go to uh, what happened with Brad, that moment that Brad gave. And when you saw his eyes, um, there was nothing about that that was manipulative. That was just raw, pure emotion. And then you saw him pull it back in and get back into game mode. And then the next conversations he had, he was back in game mode, but was still the, you know, the, the hangover of that that raw vulnerable moment but that the thing i think that that you have to do in survivor when you're building these relationships even though you're ultimately going to try to destroy them in in one way or another because to move yourself forward is that's what's so unique about survivor you cannot move forward in the game unless you have authentic real relationships and just like authentic real relationships they're complicated they're often hurtful they're often full of betrayal um, and uh, often full of things that we say and do that we wished that we could take back. Um, and, you know, what I saw with Brad was this wonderful, awesome human uh, moment because I saw myself in him and I saw myself in him when he played the first time. And, and you know, I, I possess those extremes myself, just like everybody does. And so for him to give to be given that opportunity and the fact that he allowed himself to be real uh, probably is going to be manifested later in the game because that scene was in there for a reason. Well, uh, before we obviously move into Tribal Council, I just want to quickly say that I too, Brad Culpepper, if you're listening, was crying thinking about the fact that uh, we don't have Monica on this season because I too miss Monica Culpepper. Hashtag <laughs> WWMD, all right? I am in the Culpepper fan club. I think I'm the only member, but whatever. I'm standing proud with that. Um, 
So I guess, uh, you know, the, the main talking point, you know, we're dedicating a main part of the episode really to uh, clearly tribal council because, uh, look, it's what everybody's talking about. Uh, that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's made the news. It made, you know, main headlines here in Australia. Uh, it's made headlines in New Zealand. I, I've been talking to Nick during the week. It's making headlines everywhere. And it's kind of, it's an interesting um, fact about this whole situation that even after 34 seasons, Survivor can still be a real... I guess, you know, media, the talking point in the media when it comes to this sort of stuff. But look, John, I, I, I don't even know really where to, to kind of start with this conversation. Uh, I guess if people are tuning into this, they haven't seen the episode. Essentially, what happened, uh, in, in tribal council, uh, Jeff Varner, uh, sort of was on the outs. He was basically on his way to getting voted out. And as part of his, uh, I guess, I don't want to say strategy, that's probably not a correct way of using it, as part of his way of trying to save himself, uh, he basically outed Zeke as being a transgender individual. And the backlash among this has just been huge. So, look, I, I'm just going to throw this to you, John. I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a very, uh, I think, a, 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 one of the most perfect people we can get on this show to talk about this this week, given, again, as I said earlier, what happened to you and your experience on Survivor. So, I mean, what's... I guess let's start out there. What's your kind of take on all of this and just let's start the conversation rolling because we've got a lot to cover on this, I feel. Yeah. Um, I guess that the, the first you know thing that I, that I will say is that um, this whole experience, I mean, it's, it's amazing to me after um, 34 seasons of Survivor, probably the most polarizing um, moment, you know, took place, what, 17 years after the, the, the show started. And, and, and it's polarizing, obviously, for many, many reasons. You, you have some, you know, you have people that are vilifying, you know, Jeff for doing what he did. You have, you know, people uh, who are, you know, understandably you know, um, coming to Zeke's, you know, rescue, if you will, who are um, allies outside of the LGBT community, um, and um, and then you have you know people that think, oh, should this have ever been aired? Um, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And um, but you know, here's I guess the way that 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 I see it is um, number one is Jeff's choice. Um, to out Zeke is indefensible, and Jeff knows that, and he has um, done his best to uh, express his remorse, um, his own horror um, at himself. That, regardless of the reasons why that that moment was ever an option, um, and that he that he executed that moment um, the way that, that he did. Um, and, and I think at least what I know about my friend, Jeff, he is a caring, loving person, you know, definitely has a silver tongue um, is um, a, a emotional person, but I can tell you that it was never his intention to, try to hurt Zeke or put Zeke in harm's way. That being said, the very act of outing 
anyone, whether it is to a lunch date or in a bar or any of those kinds of things, um, is rife with um, really negative consequences. And, um, and I remember sitting on the couch and, you know, and I kind of knew what was going to happen, but I didn't know how it was going to happen, when it was going to happen, what the words were. But I remember sitting there and he had really manifested a beautiful argument to save himself by going after Ozzy in a really great tribal council kind of way. You know, he had um, people at tribal council that he had an opportunity to sway. And I remember being caught off guard at how eloquent and masterful, and he really did learn from Sandra, um, about how to shift the focus off of him when he was the low person on the totem pole, knowing that there was one more spot before the merge. And as I was watching that, and I could see Ozzy's discomfort, and he did a great job of connecting Zeke and Ozzy together, whether it was true or not, it put a lot of doubt into Debbie and Sarah and Andrea's mind. You could see it. You saw it before they went to tribal council, and you know. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And for a split second, I forgot what might be coming next. And um, and that morning before the show aired, uh, Zeke's first article came out on Hollywood Life, uh, which is. You know, kind of, I don't know if you really want to call it a gossip, but it's an entertainment site, mm. kind of like D-list. And um, I read that that morning, and um, and it said he had been outed. He used the pronoun he, um, and he used the word hate, and he, you know, and and it was obviously a visceral, um, you know, reaction um, with what was to come. So I already had that under my belt, and. When Jeff turned to his left, I literally paused um, the episode, and and I just remember distinctly remembering kind of two things. One is I wish I had the power to unwind the clock, um, and second was that the next words to come out of his out of Jeff's mouth was going to create a before and an after moment. And the after moment was going to be distinctly different for the two participants in this uh, moment. And um, and I just wanted to vomit. I, I, I just didn't want it to happen. As an LGBT member, I did not want um, anybody, let alone another LGBT member, um, do what Jeff was about to do. But at the same time, I had enormous compassion uh, for both of them. Um, and I think, um, strangely, more for Jeff than Zeke, because having been outed in my season, um, 
I knew Zeke was going to be okay and that he was going to fall into millions of arms and that he was going to be loved and protected. Um, but I knew in that moment um, that that was not going to be Jeff's destiny over the next, you know, 24, 48 hours. Um, and so um, I just felt really, really, really sad. Um, and I'm still sad. I've just, I've been really having a hard time with it because um, I knew there was no going back from that moment. And everything was going to change for everybody, um, for Jeff, for Zeke, for Jeff Probst, who masterfully handled a moment that we probably have never seen in television, in real terms. We've seen scripted television that has really dramatic moments, but this is unscripted. Um, and we all signed a contract and we all knew that we could die playing Survivor and we were all willing to sign that contract and do what needed to be done to play the game and do our part. And so I knew that um, CBS had a responsibility to honor that contract and to honor that contract with the audience that, um, you know, strangers were going to come together. Sure, these were returning players, but they were going to tell the truth. And even if the truth hurt and made people angry, they, CBS and production and Jeff Probst and anybody that crafted this episode honored the game, but more importantly, honored the moment. And in that moment when I had it on pause, um, I just prayed that, um, that Jeff was going to be okay. And I knew that I was, as a human being, as an old schooler, as an old LGBTer, um, that I was going to stand by Jeff's side and not to excuse what he did, but um, to let him know that um, he made a huge, huge, colossal strategic error, a human error, but he should not... Um, be branded with that like a gigantic you know scarlet t for the rest of his life um, and that there were huge lessons and moments that could be learned from this and that hopefully um, on the other side of this as jeff moves his way through all of this people will look back and say you know what what happens if jeff had not done what he had done mm. would we be furthering trans rights? Would we be having the kind of conversation about allies like Andrea and Debbie and Sarah and LGBT allies like Ty and straight allies, uh, men like Ozzy um, coming to Zeke's rescue? Because all of those people at Tribal Council came from a very distinct and varied background, but they were one in their universal horror of what that moment represented and the moment that uh, thrust Zeke into um, a different lane of life that was never going to change again for him, the, the after. And then I hit play and we all know what happened.
you mentioned two things there that uh, I wanted to touch on with this episode. I mean, the first, you know, just from your own experience with Boston Rob and Marquesas, um, but also about how CBS handled this and how Jeff and Survivor handled this. I mean, I'm not knocking them in any way, but I have seen over the last few days some people who are, you know, maybe jumping on them, especially when you consider the line that Varner has at Tribal Council where he says, you know, I, I told six people and probes is like no you told millions of people and i guess the argument a lot of people are making on that is like well the show chooses what to show now obviously if your entire tribal is focused on one topic you don't really have a choice you have to show it uh if the reason for us being voted out it has to be shown but like if you go back to your season with Mm -hmm. boston rob you know i don't know if it was ever discussed among rotu before he was there you know at what point i guess does the show assume responsibility where they say we're going to address this at this point. You know, I was surprised back during the finale of the last season, since it was kind of, you know, semi-publicly known at that point that it wasn't even brought up there. You know, did the show hold off because they knew they had this episode? Like, I guess, what's your opinion on how the show times these things and and were there opportunities to maybe address things earlier, even with your season? Well, uh, lots of stuff there, so I'll just kind of... uh parse it so let me go back to my season the difference that you see today versus uh, versus what happened in 2002 um first of all boss uh, boston and rob and i were in an obviously you know um alpha contentious you know battle to stay alive in this game um and um, and when Boston Rob did what he did, it wasn't at Tribal Council, um, and it was not done maliciously. And he kind of had um, an almost like, well, you know, it was almost like a Hail Mary kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and it was really kind of at the conclusion of a different conversation. But I knew at the moment that he did it that he never once intended for that to be uh, to to hurt me. But there was also a little piece of him because otherwise why do it that thought maybe this might help me um and um and you know and the thing i said to him is is you know he said you know you know so are are you gay i think is you know the line that he said and we were sitting there on the beach and um i remember it um distinctly because it just you know really came out of nowhere um but, you know, I was a 36-year-old nurse with a pierced belly button. <laughs> so it's not like um, people couldn't, and I was single. So it's not like people could, you know, not put the two and two, you know, together. And, and then, you know, all the other parts uh, of who I am. Um, so, you know, it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't the same because at the same time, the volatility of, you know, being uh, gay and, uh, you know, Richard, you know, had won. Um, you had um, definitely, you know, some LGBT, LGBT people, you know, on season two. Then you had Brandon, you know, who was, you know, he, he wasn't hiding anything. I mean, he was out and proud mm-hmm. and, 
and you know and and unapologetic and awesome you know when you think about that in 2002 2003 um so you know the groundwork had already been kind of laid when when zeke played you know other than at least in the cbs family other than audrey on big brother uh, we had not had uh, a trans player and and so um and that is, for me, where this starts to become complicated. Because when you decide to go on Survivor, you are opening yourself up to this magical thing called the Internet and mm-hmm. digital information. And so this is where I personally um, struggle with you know, what ended up happening between season 33 and season 34. Um, when Zeke had the absolute right to control his own uh, destiny. Um, and especially when he played the first time because nobody knew who he was. And and the, the show was filmed, it's edited, and then it airs. And then it's afterwards, then, you know, we're all beholden to um, social media and, you know, the positive and negatives that, you know, that come along with that. But back out to play a second time now granted jeff did not know who he, who he was because that season had not you know aired yet and so there's this weird dichotomy because we all know about you know uh, uh, zeke and the way he played in 33 and 34 and those of us who um uh, i have a medical background and when zeke um said that his scars for were from weight loss um, I have worked both as a nurse as, and as an attorney with people who have undergone gastric bypass, gastric sleeve, other kinds of gastric surgeries. And when they lose weight, you know, it's, it's everywhere. So when they have the skin reduction surgeries, it's often under the arms, it's a tummy tuck, it's inside the thighs, um, it is uh, the skin around uh, the breast, you know, whether you're male or not. So when that came out, Internally, I was like, uh, wow, okay. Um, and then I Googled. And, um, and then, so I, so I had, you know, done my own thing. And so I knew that. Um, so, you know, Jeff did not. And so, you know, he didn't have that, that knowledge that, at least as far as we all know, that, you know, the, he, he figured it out when he was on the show. And so this mind warp that he did to try to, rationalize um what he was going to do you know is super complicated because it's not as simple as hey i thought he was the you know the trans russell hands you know he had no evidence of that i mean there was no proof of that that would have been 100 percent speculation you know on his part uh but at the same time he knew that zeke was out there for a reason and he put it together that he was trans and he's like okay well it can't be just back out here just simply because he's a, a trans male so there must be something else to his game, and so and so I you know I don't know if it was the food, the lack of sleep, playing three times, never making the jury. You know who knows what potent stew of shit was stirring up in his mind when he decided that he was going to use that as as an example of, hey, by the way, um, you know if you want to talk about a master, um, you know deceit, and that's where he that's where his fatal error and that's where the horror of everybody on the outside in 
came in because he attached the fact that Zeke was trying to deceive. And that was a huge, huge miscalculation. And it wasn't true. And it played no bearing. Zeke absolutely knew going into the game that that was going to be something that he was going to have to deal with. But to have somebody turn to you and not only out you, but then try to give a context of deception that, you know, he's trying to pass as a man. He hasn't owned up that he is a trans man. And oh, by the way, he's in alliance with Ozzy, which, like Jeff said, was a huge jump, you know, in logic. But at the same time, do I think that Jeff was trying to harm him and destroy his own life? And, you know, and we know he got fired um, and, you know, he's, you know, universally despised on multiple, multiple levels. Um, but I think as the emotions have now come down for those of us that have played the game, for those of us that love the game, for those of us that know um you know, that this is a very unique experience. Um, I'm not surprised that the moment happened um, simply because the potent stew of opportunity um, was always going to be there if you were playing the game and you had a um, secret that Zeke had that was hidden in plain sight and the fact that he, he he described the scars as weight loss some people may have figured out that, that wasn't true um and then he also adopted or revealed that he was uh, a gay male and then that's the other piece that i've struggled with because i've read a lot of uh, zeke's interviews and um and I've not seen anything about, um, you know, the fact that he identifies as, as a gay male. And one of the things that, that, that I'm struggling with myself is somebody who is a gay male who played Survivor and was outed, you know, in 2002 as a gay male who hopes one day to get to return as, you know, a, a, a former player who happens to be a gay male. I, I, I'm... I struggle with that because what I don't know is because I, I've not talked to Zeke personally is and maybe it's just none of my business and I just have to get over it. Um, but he self-identified as a gay male and was that a ruse? And did he co-opt, you know, and appropriate who I am, you know, and and other people like me um, to play a game and use it as strategy, you know, or does he actually truly uh, self-identify as um, a gay male? And um, and so that's a big question mark for me because the answer to either one of those um, is important to me. What I find interesting with a lot of this situation, and you kind of touched on it, I feel there with kind of Jeff's, um, I guess, knowledge going into this game of Zeke. Uh, if people haven't seen the day after video that's online of Jeff's sort of interview the day after um, he was voted out. He, he does make a point in that video to say, you know, kind of what you were saying there, John, about Russell Hans. Like, he didn't know 
uh, what you know, he didn't know anything about Zeke, and he kind of used that whole like, look, I was thinking of Russell Hance, like he played back to back. We didn't know who he was, but he also the the interesting point that Varner I think made in that was that he said he didn't know if CBS were maybe billing him as the first transgender contestant. And he was just, yeah. he was, he was kind of unsure whether or not this is a thing. And I, I remember having this conversation, uh, last season when, you know, it sort of did come out that Zeke was a, a transgender individual and kind of having that conversation about how at the time I felt CBS did well with, I mean, like my opinion of that is that it, it shouldn't be something that is, is promoted. I mean, it doesn't matter if he's a transgender individual or not. I mean, that's not something I feel that should be promoted. I mean, he's, he's just, he's who he is and it's not something that should be put out there necessarily to, you know, draw in viewers. So I think that they initially handled that well, not promoting it that way, but then obviously they've had to kind of deal with it now. So I, I kind of find that a unique perspective from Jeff that he said that not again, not excusing anything that he's done, but because I think kind of from a lot of people's perspective, who thought that the day that we maybe do have a transgender contestant on Survivor, it would be something that is promoted heavily, but it necessarily wasn't. So, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting, John, I think, kind of with all these layers of everything that we're talking about in this whole situation, that there's that angle of things that, again, not excusing what Jeff did, but, of course, there's kind of all that sort of things that you've got to read into this whole situation. Yeah, I, I you know, and I think that um, you have to give... You know, CBS and and uh, Survivor and and Jeff Probst credit because you know it's very clear from the interviews that um, Zeke did not hide the fact that he was trans and um, and as they were going through that process, you know, just like when I was on, um, I I Zeke made a decision that he just wanted to be Zeke and and oh. You know, by the way, Survivor, here's something really unique about me is I'm also a, a trans man, um, but I'm going to go play because I love Survivor and I'm passionate about the game. And I do want you to see who I am, you know, and I want to be my authentic self. But that authentic self is as Zeke and not as Zeke the trans man. Yeah. And so that that is the you know conversation that that you've seen out there is that you know Zeke made a decision now for those of us who you know are of my generation and even older you know we have to adjust to that because you know when Richard and in those first few seasons um, the handful of us that were gay you know uh on the show um had come from various backgrounds one way or another some of us were more out some of us were more you know a a quiet activist some of us were more activist activists so you know we came through that that world of you know hiv and aids and you know lgbt rights and the t was just kind of you know really to be honest just kind of added on there because we're all sexual minorities but it was really the l the g together um, and, and not to disrespect the other parts, but, you know, it, it was those that were either out as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender, uh, intersexed, those types of things. And, uh, in the, in the early days. And so as, as we kind of move through there, um, you know, 
I, I often look at the people that came before me, um, and then I also look at the people that come after me, just from a, a personal stance, but just generationally. And and what's beautiful about um, the choice that that Zeke made, and it took me um, when the show aired a good thirty six hours for me to reconcile it. And matter of fact, even my own mom and I, um, we literally got into a knockdown dragout on Wednesday night um, about um, being representative of of um, you know, being out and proud, these types of things. And and I had to check myself because what I was looking at the situation was through my own prism and not the prism that somebody else was choosing for themselves. And just because um, Zeke chose to play an entire season and it, it didn't come up um, doesn't mean that it was supposed to. Mm. And that took me a little bit for me to reconcile on top of that um my friend chris who was on um season 33 um is very very close to zeke and brett and so i've never once talked to chris about uh zeke other than chris has told me how much he loves and respects zeke i have no idea where in that spectrum um Chris became aware of Zeke's, you know, uh, true identity, complete identity, um, and how much he ever revealed to Chris. I don't know if Chris learned about it uh, on Wednesday night or if they had had a conversation about it, you know, later or Zeke gave him a heads up. I I don't know. Um, But where that struggle that I was going through centered on the moment between Brett, a Boston cop, who outed himself to Zeke, who um, had uh, self-identified as a gay male, and that Brett um, pulled back the curtain and showed him his true, authentic self. And watching that, knowing, um, at least my perception based off of what um, I was seeing and what I know, that it left an opportunity for Zeke to return the favor to Brett and, and reveal his authentic self. Um, and it didn't happen. And I remember distinctly being disappointed. And, and I've struggled with that it was Zeke's right to not return the favor. It was about Brett. It was his decision to out himself to Zeke. I don't know today how Brett feels about that moment um, that he was vulnerable and completely authentic um, with Zeke. Um, And I don't know if we didn't see on camera that actually Zeke returned the favor, but, you know, uh, requested that not to be air. I I don't know. What I can tell you is, is that at the beginning of this interview, this is how convoluted and complicated this stuff is, not just universally, not just in the LGBT community, but in the survivor community. Um, you know, we are all struggling with um, what happened Wednesday night. And 
we're all um, hurt um, and anguished that two of our members um, are hurting so badly and that one of our members perpetrated all of this on the other when we know that person um, is just a, a, a really great, loving person who's just as complicated as all of us, who just made a colossal error um, on national television. And CBS and Survivor had a duty, and I believe um, had they chose to hide this moment and try to edit around it in one way or another, uh, would have betrayed everything that they are and that they have done. Um, and what is amazing to me after 34 years is here we are on the vanguard of trans rights and the bathroom bills and the religious freedom bills and all the other things that really are targeted at this point at the trans community. Um, that survivor... Um, and CBS and Jeff Probst and Mark Burnett and everybody in casting and uh, across the board you know, gets to be a part of the conversation in a huge, huge way because we know pop culture changes things. It's a platform like no other because of who we are as Americans, because of entertainment, because of pop culture. This, as much as Jeff does not want this footnote when it's all said and done, and as he and I have been talking the last couple days, it's it's not this moment that's going to define him. It's what he does with this moment mm-hmm. that will define him. Mm-hmm. He controls his own destiny. And right now, he is full of remorse. He is contrite. He, um, Even though he's tried to work his way through the whole thing, seeing it play out um, and w- witnessing the vitriol, um, the the you know emotional uh, volcanic reactions against him. Um, this is a international event. Oh, it is. I mean, as I, as I mentioned, it it made headline. I mean, our main news website here in Australia it was the second biggest headline for most of Thursday. New Zealand. Yeah. Yep. But you have to understand at the same time. And here's the other thing. I I think that uh, that people can't take away and they can't dismiss and. Um, Right now, with what's happening in the United States and what's happening within the LGBT community, with the current administration, um, and just the just the horrendous, horrendous crap that's happening in our our political world, our administration, um, all of these things, and you know what really happened is Jeff pulled a Trump. And there are going to be a lot of people that don't like that that I said that, but he did. And what when he did that, all of the animosity and the anger and everything that now allows a release. And you know, when Jeff did what he did, you know. He put himself in in really um, in a real in a harmful situation. He put himself in harm's way. But I think that right now the powder keg of emotions that are out there, and we're just so sick and tired, you know, of these kinds of things 
um, it was just horrendous timing that this would come out right now in this in our society in culture and all of that because we're just tired of the hate yeah we're, we're tired of the you know of the um, that and, and the sad part is is I can tell you 1,000%, Jeff Farner never, ever, for a second, was trying to put Zeke in harm's way, to hurt him. That was, it was just a colossal, just mess of a, of a strategic move. I mean, I, I, I just, there's nothing about Jeff that I know that just says that he, he got fired yesterday. You know, I mean, it, unless there's something so deep-seated and unconscious that, it, that, that you know, that came up, and maybe, you know, you know, maybe there's a greater conversation that we have to have, you know, about what it means, you know, to live in the closet and to be told every day that you are, you know, a, a pervert and that, you know, you molest children and that you're just waiting in bathrooms just so that you could look at women, you know, and on and on and on and on. You know, who knows? Who knows if, if, you know, Jeff gave voice to that, you know, and opened that door so all of us would have to look at it, you know, and, and really question ourselves. And at the same time, if we consider ourselves a Christian nation and we consider ourselves a, a, a loving people, we can't let him off the hook. And he knows that. But we also are not going to... You know, exile him, and we're not going to you know marginalize him and and hope he just withers and dies because you know he, he outed Zeke. Um, and I know there's no way in hell that's what Zeke wants for Jeff. Yeah, and that's why I'm hoping that, you know with time, you know, and when the emotions settle down and we can have some perspective, um, you know, and and like I said, it's not that Jeff did it; it's what he did with it it's, and what he does with it. Yeah, I mean, look, it's. It's 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 a very interesting you know sort of the stuff that's come around with it since, um, and like I think I saw the interview uh, Jeff gave for ET when he kind of mentioned that they obviously both received counselling and I actually wasn't aware that he'd been fired. That's the first I'd, I'd actually heard of that. And I mean, just reading the the comments and kind of you know as you mentioned, I think social media it can be a positive, it can be a negative, and look, there's plenty of people rallying behind. Varna and Zeke on their pages and their their profiles on social media. And there's a lot of, obviously, hate going towards Varna as well. I mean, look, I, I personally think that that's just, you know, you can have opinions, but sometimes it just it borders on just your... Anyway, I'm not getting into that debate. One thing I wanted to say, though, John, to kind of weirdly take a positive out of all of this is in a, in a way to kind of see how far we've come as a society... In, in, in Australia, I mean, you look at the reactions of the people in tribal council around what happened, you know, you look at what Sarah said, you know, beautiful speech she gave about, you know, her eyes being opened up to it. You know, you look at Ty's reaction, Andrea, you know, Debbie, you know, standing up for even Aussie, you know, just everybody who got involved in that situation and everything around that. Jeff Propes, as you said, I think handled it fantastically. But even just as how far we've come as a society, John, kind of, you know, I mean, could you? I, I don't know how it would have been. I guess back during your season, had Twitter and Facebook really been a thing? Social media, the reaction around, kind of, you know, what Boston Rob said with you. I, I, I know it's kind of strange to compare the two situations, although they're loosely connected. But 
can you take any positives out of that to think that we have come that far of a society 15 years later that there is such a disgust and such a, a you know a reaction to what jeff did and people standing behind zeke and everything and maybe back to when it happened with you perhaps that i'm not sure if there would have been that um outrage i guess given the times we lived in in 2002 compared to 2017 if you know what i'm trying to say oh totally and and i think that um the the circumstances in 2002 cannot be compared at all you know one it's a 15 year swing it's a completely different set of circumstances um and the um the circumstances that 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 we see with um, what happened with Jeff and Zeke is, you know, trans rights, um, transphobia, the bathroom bills, you know, all these things right now are hot button issues. And I think that if the politicians, you know, uh, in this country specifically, but in the in the greater you know democratic Western world, wanted to really put their finger on the pulse of, of where things are. And even though Jeff has become the unwitting poster child, you know, for this is we're just fed up, you know, we're just fed up with, um, all of the, the crap that, that we see when people are marginalizing and attacking other people. And, you know, and I'm just anguished that, you know, Jeff ended up being the poster child kind of for the for this moment. But it, it, it really it was a, a powder keg spark moment. And it's not just about Jeff turning to Zeke saying, why haven't you told these people that you're transgendered? You know, that line is going to live in infamy not only in the survivor world but in pop culture but the answer to that question is why everybody got upset why everybody knew that what jeff did was wrong because it's not safe to tell these people that you don't know what will happen when you get home and you're in a public space and you actually have to go to the bathroom or you want to try on clothes or any of the other things that transgendered people have to face on a daily basis from getting a physical to getting their driver's license and their birth certificate to match their gender identity. And, and I don't want my friend Jeff to become the whipping post and the poster boy for all of the vitriol and the negativity that has been heaped upon the transgendered community. My hope is, is that when this is all said and done, Jeff's colossal misstep will have really opened up people's eyes. And I purposely have been avoiding um, Sarah. Um, and, and here's why. Uh, I met Sarah at Hearts of Reality. And we're, I'm from Nebraska. She's from Iowa. You know, we're Midwestern people, um, and, and and we got to spend some time together. And she just is absolutely salt, salt of the earth. And when she played the first time, she just got played by by Tony, and, um, and you know, and, 
and and I know that that really bugs the shit out of her. But what I can also tell you is everything that Sarah said, um, as she as the epiphany and the realization, and in her silence was processing everything that was happening. The part that made me um, really lose it is her own acknowledgement of her preconceptions, her sheltered Republican conservative life. She, unwittingly or not, subconsciously or not, you know, she just had these ideas. And here was this human being that she ended up becoming very, very, very close to, um, that she loves and adores, who she just thought was Zeke, a gay man, playing a second time a survivor, and then gets ripped out of um, the closet in front of her very eyes. And then she has to process the person that she thought she knew is actually somebody else. And then as she processes that, is still the same person that she loved at the beginning of the whole process. And, and for her to acknowledge um, what she said spoke for millions and millions of people who have come to their own epiphanies and have come to their own realizations about the LGBT community or race, religion, whatever it is. And it's when you get, and that's why coming out is so, so important. And, um, and in that moment when Zeke was forced out of the closet, Sarah, I think, was confronted with her own stuff. And as she worked her way through it, was just devastated by the fact that she just loved Zeke and loved him as a human. And, um, and it, I think it absolutely, and that's where her anger came from, was that it hurt the person she loved. And she came to the realization, it didn't matter if he was a gay male or a trans male. She just loves Zeke. And she loves Zeke because is Zeke. It's, it was just, it was a very, yeah, I everything, it was just so heartwarming, everything. I mean, you know, just kind of on a side note, sort of in my personal life, John, I mean, two of my very good friends uh, are gay. And I remember both moments vividly when they both came out to me. And I had never, um, I'd never, I guess, been around, you know, that, I'd never sort of openly known a, a, a gay person before until the, the, both of them came out to me and both of their moments were so emotional and they were, you know, it was just a very heart, heart-wrenching moment that they both came out. And one of them, I was the first person they came out to. So it was kind of, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a real, real moment. And I guess it kind of, as, from a personal note for me, it kind of, obviously neither bothered me i was just kind of like yeah that's fine it doesn't bother me that's great you know i'm i'm happy that i can be here for you to for you to be honest with and it, it it's kind of one of those moments when yeah it's it's an interesting to see what you are like as a person in those moments particularly if it's something you haven't really experienced before i guess and and i guess sarah kind of at that point you know just there was just such a, a an open moment which sadly is almost being overlooked in a way because we're obviously talking about the grand scheme of things. But from that perspective of things, from Sarah's point of view, I mean, it, w- it was really good to see. Oh, and I think that um, that once the the moment like started to, you know, um, kind of settle, I, I loved how they um, gave each person 
that was at that tribal council that was going through that process, including Jeff, as he was going through his own personal catharsis of, of, about what happened. And then, and then the editing, um, leaving it, you know, to Zeke to speak for himself and to reclaim his, you know, his, his, um, dignity, his identity, um, and, and, and to be able to, um, not so much control the moment, but, um, to make sure that it was his final words, uh, uh, you know, and the way that it all came about, um, that, you know, came to fruition. But if you remember, you know, it, you know initially, I just remember, and, and I may be off on, on the details, but I just remember, um, this visceral reaction. And I see in my mind, I see Andrea and Ty, you know, almost like simultaneously, but it's, um, Andrea is just immediately just hurt, you know, based on, you know, editing that we see is just, is horrified. And, but just in a, um, it just tells you a lot about, you know, just all of these people, that moment when it comes out and just this, you know, sadness that, that Andrea expresses, you know, she's just devastated for him. Um, and, and then you've got then Ty, who as a gay male, you know, going through his own personal struggle and being in a uh, Vietnamese community, an Asian community, it has its own sets of, of mores and, you know, and rules and him negotiating that is very different than me being in Nebraska and Jeff being in North Carolina, you know, and then, you know, what was really interesting is Debbie, who's been this, you know, is been shown to be really just unhinged character was really calm and collected and um and contained i mean i was really and i was struck by that and then you know ozzy you know as he was you know processing all of that his disappointment. Yeah. Aussie was, was the one. I mean, look, I didn't want to kind of like single Aussie out as the one who kind of didn't stand up the, because the, I, I went and rewatched it again, actually, just oh, the tribal council. Oh, no, but Aussie, Aussie did kind of, he was the one, I think, out of all of them, like even Sarah more so. He, he kind of just didn't have any emotion, did he? And then he kind of processed it and then he stood up for, for Zeke. And it was kind of, it was, I think you mentioned it before, the whole angle of how we had these different type of people. And I guess as the straight male in that perspective, his sort of reaction to it and then how he processed it, it was, I find it, I found it interesting how Ozzy dealt with it, but he dealt, he ended up with, like, he, he did it well. I'm not saying he didn't do it well, but yeah. Oh, no, no, exactly. But, and, and again, we don't know, you know, what actually all was happening. I mean, this is, you know, this is edited, but there's no doubt that the, the, words that ultimately came out of Ozzy's mouth yeah. to express, you know, his own personal experience for what happened. You know, what I took away from that was just disappointment, yeah, exactly. you know, and that, and that, that, you know, was an element, you know, of, of all of that. And so when you kind of look at like what was happening, you know, amongst everybody, but I remember just sitting there after it was all said and done and being very concerned for, for Jeff and his, and his well-being and, and this colossal, huge, you know, mistake that, that, that he had made um, that these allies from all backgrounds in one chorus of support, 
in different octaves came together to support Zeke. And they each came from that differently. You had disappointment. You had the kind of diplomat, I thought, with what Debbie showed. You know, she, you know, but then you had the visceral emotional reaction with with Andrea, the hurt and um, just the pain that was palpable. Um, and then you had Zeke, excuse me, uh, Ty, who had both um, pain and anger, you know, mixed together. Um it was it was just it was a representative slice of what was to come the next day. Completely agree. It, 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 all all of that, and that I think is the uh, is why um, Survivor has been on the the air for seventeen years, and it isn't just about backstabbing your way to a million dollars. You know, we have seen every you know pretty much every incarnation of a human you know that you can think of in one way or another that's played the game and and we've seen some terrible things done you know we've had you know we had uh you know colton who you know expressed some really awful um racist things towards bill you know during his season and in that same kind of warped naivete didn't really get that that's what it was you know, but everybody on the outside in is going, really? Yeah. I mean, you don't know that? It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, that's kind of what I think I mentioned before about the fact that this is still such a talking point after all these years, as you said, after 17 years, we can still have a show that is able to bring this form of communication out into such an international level. It's quite, quite unique. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, on a lighter note, I, I mean, we're going to get to some listening questions. We could talk about this all day, John. Obviously, it's a, it's a very much a, a huge talking point and uh, one that I definitely wasn't expecting to kind of have out of this season. It's, you know, after being off the air, I guess, for one whole season of Survivor to come back and have all this, it's certainly certainly unique. But one thing I just wanted to quickly add, on a lighter note, before we get to our listener questions, we mentioned Ozzy. Mm-hmm. For the second week in a row, our dear old friend Ozzy has been saved by somebody putting their foot in it. So... Um, <laughs> Can we just point that out? Ozzy, two weeks in a row, looked yeah. like he was probably going home. But no, he had Ty last week, basically saving his butt. Now he's got Jeff. So uh, Ozzy's just, you know, rubbing that rabbit's foot a little bit right now. <laughs> I mean, r- I mean, really. We- no, that's, that's oh, Ozzy sorry. calling you now to say exactly. That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> um, is um, the, the, the whole um, situation, you know, is... Jeff had set it up perfectly to um, to go after him and then just let it go, you know, for whatever reason. But he was right, right there. And uh, and and you're right. I mean, he once it all blew up, he's like, great. You know, now I've made it to the merge. And now it's going to be about whether or not Ozzy has the skill set to, you know, protect his athleticism and whether he has the social game to be able to work himself in whereas athleticism is used as a strength within an alliance or a sub-alliance or a voting block whatever you want to call it and uh and so you know who knows we're we're about to find out Uh, as we transition into the listener questions i i do think it's funny that even though we put out multiple times hey get your questions in this is a big episode (laughs) it's funny that nobody wanted to talk about the tribal this week i don't know if that's just sort of (laughs) 
says a lot about how how uncomfortable this moment was for a lot of people. But I mean, we have some good ones regardless. Um, Mike Skull wants to know. I've heard Survivor Pizza is not good. What food would you have liked to see as the reward? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, I think I would love um, fried chicken because it has fats, carbs, and protein, and then um, a really kick-ass bottle of Chardonnay to go with the chicken. Um, <laughs> And, and and then lots of uh, like uh, fruits, you know, just um, some things just to get some vitamin C and potassium and that other kind of stuff into uh, into your body. What what about sweet potato with marshmallow on it, John? <laughs> uh, let's see here. That's a starch, a sugar, a sugar, <laughs> a cinnamon, uh, a, a more. No, the answer is no. I just wanted to, in context with that, like, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to spend Thanksgiving with John. It was amazing. I'd never really experienced a full American Thanksgiving before. And I think the biggest thing I took out of that was how amazing sweet potato is with marshmallow. Because I'd never had it before. I'm like, what the hell is marshmallow? What is this on the sweet potato? And you're like, it's marshmallow, Ben. Haven't you ever had this before? And I'm like, no, this is awesome. Why don't we do this in Australia? So I just want to point out, I love that. I'd totally have that out there on Survivor. Um, wouldn't it wouldn't it be awesome if they were you knew you were filming because now they you know they do the March May season so you really like our season we were there actually when Thanksgiving would have been taking place and can you imagine if they would just do like a full on Midwestern Thanksgiving turkey mm-hmm. and you know green bean casserole so we could fart for three days and chase <laughs> each other with the hut. <gasps> Did you ever try the pizza, like, even if it was at Ponderosa afterwards? Like, is this some rumor that we haven't heard before that it's not good? <laughs> um, well, you have to imagine it's there's lots of filming. Look, all of us have ordered a pizza. That pizza was by far not straight out of any oven. So who knows how long it's been sitting there. So as far as good pizza goes, you know, I'm sure it was horrendous. But as far as any freaking food other than coconut and fish and sea snails, I'm sure it was like filet mignon. Well, remember, Survivor is like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's good. So that's the same oh, with no. pizza is like Survivor. Even when it's bad, it's good. <laughs> New show oh, we yeah. can't get rid of Food is quotes. food. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to assume that a lot of our listeners this week stopped watching this episode after the food was out there because we have another pizza question here from Zachary <laughs> Chong. And... <laughs> He wants to know how much of the 10 pizzas could John have eaten if he was out there. So let's assume you're just as hungry as they are at this point. Okay, so um, first of all, I love, a lot of people do not believe that pineapple and Canadian bacon, I'm sorry, Colin, is actually a real pizza. Um, (laughs) But I was very happy to see Zeke eating a quote-unquote hawaiian pizza for a dude that is enamored with hawaiian fashions so he was really like on fleek and totally on point with his culinary and fashion choices um but uh at the same time is you know pizza you have to ask yourself where is it being baked when does it get put in the box and then when does it get transferred to the location and um are you really, really uh, going to get warm, hot, gooey, 
stretchy pizza. No, you're going to just get a bunch of calories that you're going to shove in your gullet simply because it's not sea snails, coconut, or limes. That is a good point. And one thing actually I'll add, um, maybe it's just a weird thing I noticed through this whole controversial tribal council. When Jeff actually gets his torch snuffed, he does have the lid of one of the pizza boxes with him. Uh, I don't know if that was just like a what? souvenir. Go back and watch it when you like, because there's this bit when just as his torch is getting snuffed, you can see him like there's like this white piece of cardboard or something that kind of just comes into shot. And you're like, what is it? And if you actually look at it, it's the, the lid. It's got the Game Changers logo on it. So he's taking a, a pizza box with him. Um, so I don't know if he just wanted that as a souvenir or uh, he just really liked the pizza box. I don't know. So <laughs> it's a weird thing I noticed. I don't know. Um, Isaac Brower, he's got a two-part question here for you, John. He says, uh, what type of twist is your all-time favourite? And uh, he says, if CBS gave ever gave you the chance to come back, I'm going to change that to when CBS gives you the chance to come back, uh, <laughs> what type of returning player seasons would you like it to be? So like a, a full All-Stars, half and half. Uh, so two-part question there. Okay. Uh, let's see here. So, um, well, I would love a fans versus favorites, uh, but from a numbers game simply because I'm such an old schooler, the likelihood that I could end up on a fan um, team is really, really remote simply because my season was so long ago um, and the people that would vote for something like that or you know spin it that way. But I, I, I would love the idea of, of playing with people that love the show and then are going through the experience for the first time um, and then also... Um, relishing the fact that I would be playing for the second time. So I would be totally as geeked out as, as they would be. So I would totally be, you know, totally be matching their excitement and, and all of that, except for, you know, I'd have that under my belt of, of what that looks like. Now, new school is, you know, completely different than, and then old school. So um, that being said, I would love, absolutely love um, if it could ever happen and I would move heaven and earth for either an old school versus middle school versus new school so that you had uh, tribes from each of like the first uh, for each decade, you know, first 10 years of each you know, uh, of the 30 plus years or, you know, 13, you know, whatever you want to do um, or an old school versus new school. And then you'd have to find kind of a dividing point somewhere in the middle to make, you know, one side old school, one side new school. But I would love, love, love for an old school versus new school or, or some derivation of that because that brings up all kinds of interesting ideas of generations, ageism, um, you know, weekend warriors, you know, um, you know, all, all you know, wisdom, learning lessons, uh, youth, uh, being fresh and full of possibilities. You know, it, I, I just think that that is just multiple layers of just really positive great stuff especially i think um you know coming off of of this you know particular season and as as emotional as it was just that idea of just going back and playing and it, it's kind of like a uh, millennials versus gen x except for it's even just more you know just more extreme because people from old school you know save somebody like nalia who's you know still in her 30s um is going to be kind of an older generation versus a younger one. And the question is, is can we um, 
you know, handle the physical piece. Can we go toe-to-toe with these young whippersnappers? Um, and, you know, and then, you know, and obviously if there's going to be, tri- you know, tribe swaps and mixes and that and the other is, can we relate to them? Can we have real relationships with them where we're not, you know, um, pontificating and, you know, and, and you know, well, I'm the older man, you should respect your elder, you know, and all that other stuff, but also respect the fact that, you know, um, you know, life, you know, for all intents and purposes in terms of pop culture and everything is a young person's game and being able to recognize that, you know, young people have a lot to bring to the table as well and, and, and seeing how a game like that would, would, would factor in. And as far as uh, in any challenge, um, I would just love for them to bring that fucking coconut challenge back. <laughs> to get some get some revenge, kind of turn it around a little bit. or <laughs> Not the kite challenge, John. Let me just say that when you're in <laughs> Vegas, bet on black. Okay. I'm, I'm, sad, you, I'm sad you never mentioned the uh, the kite, well, kite challenge there, but uh, there you go. Uh, thanks, Isaac. Final one, Ruben Johnson. Uh, is there a game changer? I, I'm going to let you answer yourself for this one as well. He didn't say you couldn't, but uh, is there a game changer uh, on uh, not on this cast that you would have loved to have had seen on this season? Nalia. Nalia. Or myself. Or yourself, yeah. I was going to actually bring that up before, but, kind of when I asked a question about game changers. I, I, I've kind of, with our guests, I've tried to come up with a, uh, I guess, a more of an excuse why you're more of a game changer than some of this cast. And I think, you know, we could easily come up with for you. You're not you're not really a hard one to come up with an excuse why you've changed the game. But um, I, I'm glad that you've answered well, yourself. And Nalia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, no. I, you know, the reason I said Nalia at first, if you want to just go straight forward um, with a game changer, you know, look, I mean... It's, the row two four got toppled because of Nalia and Pascal and then uh, Sean and V and Kathy. I mean, there's no doubt, but you know, there's little argument to say that Nalia played a huge piece in getting Pascal to come over with her to join with V and Sean and Kathy. She was the diplomat and the one that did that. And to this day, you know, my ouster, you know, as of the, what was it? They did the uh, top uh, uh, 10 favorite moments at uh, when they did uh, season 30 Mm -hmm. and me getting voted out was number four. Well, Nalia was one of the architects of that, you know, and and you can't take away from anybody else that was in the mix. But for myself, um, I know because how close I was to her, um, how she was able to use my uh, intimate friendship and uh, love and, and 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 friendship with her against me, and it absolutely worked. It totally had my guard down, and and it was already set and done before I even knew, you know, what was happening. And then it was over. I knew. I knew it was over. I was just like, "There's nothing I'm going to be able, you know, to be able to to do here now." Playing today, um, I wouldn't have not gone so gently into the night. That's for sure. <laughs> I could imagine. I could imagine. Uh, thanks, Ruben. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks, Zach. And thanks, Mike. If you've ever got questions that you want to send in, of course, uh, follow us on 
Facebook to see who we've got coming on the show. Twitter, you can email us, of course, yours network at hotmail.com, and we'll have another Survivor guest next week. Now, John, before we let you go, just two things I really want to touch on quickly. Uh, I know that you're a huge, passionate supporter of uh, my AFL team here in Australia, Carlton. I just wanted to give you a quick update. I'm sure you've been following it, but uh, they won last weekend their first game, and at the time of recording this, they play tonight and play a side that they could very well beat. So I just I just wanted to make sure you're up to date with your beloved Carlton Blues. Did you even remember the name of them before I even brought that up again? Yes, they are the Colton Blues. Yes, yes. I think you usually call them the Carlsbad Boobers or something before. <laughs> and I just I just want to try one thing quickly, be- see if I remember how to do this. Go Big Red! Go Big Red! There we go. All right, just wanted to test that out. No, This is how you do it, though. You didn't do it right. Didn't are I? Ready? Ben, you sounded, like you, were, you sounded like you were taunting somebody, Ben. Oh, oh, that yeah. wasn't my intention. <laughs> no, it goes like this, Ben. Are you ready? Okay, and ready. Colin, you have to repeat it like when Ben is. We do it right. Ready? <laughs> Go Big Red! Go Big Red! Go Big Red. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for what I said, Ben. I'm worse. <laughs> Canadians don't chant. <laughs> not only can you not dance, but I don't think that you can uh, play basketball either. <laughs> you have zero rhythm. Just, just wanted to test that out. John, it's always fun. Thank you so much for your uh, time this week on a very... Uh, emotional and and powerful episode uh it's always a pleasure and of course look forward to having you back on again in the future you too ben i love you i miss you i can't wait to see you again colin nice to meet you even though it's over the internet and i just want to send my my love out to uh jeff and zeke and uh, i just hope nothing but the best for them and a lot of healing and uh, good things come for both of them in the future. And Colin, to you, thank you. I don't need to necessarily thank you because you're the same as me. You can thank me, I guess, at the same time if you want. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling very thankful. Thank you, Ben. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> We've talked so much about Thanksgiving. I've had recipes. This is <laughs> an episode to be thankful for. Yes. We will be back next week, as I said, for another Survivor Game Changers episode. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, The Works. Remember, you can also leave us feedback, rate us out of five if you want to as well. And we've got plenty of other episodes, TV ones, movie ones, The Works. They're all coming your way. And we will speak to you next time when we do here on The Oz Network. Thank you for listening to The Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.